Man, brother. What a day. What a day. Amen. I'd like to uh, I'd like for you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 3 tonight. If you don't mind, I'm going to pick up this piece of paper right here. That has bugged me the whole service. I don't know if anybody's seen that or not. But I've seen it. Nehemiah chapter 3 tonight. We're going to be there in verse 14. And uh, again, we're going to be preaching tonight with the help of the Lord on repairing the dung gate. Repairing the dung gate. Now this is a series that has been called The Road to Revival. And uh, we desire revival, but we have to know what's going to be required for revival. We wish it was just as easy as if we would pray and say, Lord, give me revival. Then next thing you know, we're in revival. You know, I know that it doesn't happen that way. But I believe tonight these gates, after all of them being built as they are according to Nehemiah, if they can be built in our lives as well, I believe we have a better chance uh, of revival in our hearts and in our lives tonight. And so if you would, in honor of God's Word, let's read verse 14 of Nehemiah chapter 3. And uh, the Bible has said, does say tonight, but the dung gate repaired Malachi and the son of Rechab the ruler of part of the Bethlehem, he built it and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus tonight. Lord, I, I, pray, with, I pray with soberness in my heart. I pray tonight, dear God, that you would help us to, to really understand what this dung gate may mean. And, Father, what it meant for the day that it was built and the day that it was repaired. And then today, dear God, in the spiritual sense, what does that mean? I pray, Father, that you give us the understanding. God, I pray for wisdom tonight and knowledge. Pray tonight, God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts that, God, we might really just be in your presence. We might really tonight, dear God, just to know, dear God, that you're here. God, may it transform our hearts and may it draw us unto Thee. And God, I just want it revival. God, I desire tonight with all my heart, God, before this church, before our lives tonight, wherever come to an end, God, that we might just have revival. God, I pray You'll help us to know what that means and we'd be willing, God, to do whatever it takes. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You be seated here this, this evening. So as you already know, tonight we've preached on the sheep gate. What does that mean to us tonight? That means that our salvation and the sacrifice of the Lamb, and that means tonight that the very service of our God on Calvary uh, tonight needs to be built up in our lives. It needs to be some conversation every day about, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sins. Uh, this sheep gate tonight needs to be more than just on the pages of Nehemiah, but on the pages of our life that we have built up our salvation unto God. We notice, secondly, the fish gate. The fish gate's very close to the sheep gate, the sheep gate because the fish gate will represent our witnessing. 
will represent our, our telling others about Jesus. If you ever know that when you got saved, you want to tell others about salvation. If you ever know that when you get born again, that the burden of your family and the burden of your friends become real. And man, you can't help yourself to let them know that I've been forgiven and Jesus lives in my heart in the life I now live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to know. And so that's just a normal and natural response. Jesus said, you shall be fishers of men. We found that after the fish gate, we found the old gate. And rebuilding the old gate meant to us tonight that we got to go back to the old ways. We got to go back to the old past, back to the old book. Go back tonight, not into what's new, but what's old. Not, not, not go take up what's today that they offer, but take up what God offered back then, where it all began, where it all started. We talked about not only the old gate, but lifting up that old gate, we found the valley gate. And friend, we got to find that in the valley gate tonight is where you and I would find ourselves in trials and tribulations and troubles. We find ourselves there, though, because God placed us there. And we know that God's in the valley with us. And we know God's working with us. And we know that God's doing something really special for us in the valley. Instead of us being bitter and being ugly and being mad about it, we'll be rejoicing over it. Amen. And so we got to build our valley gate to know that as being a Christian tonight, you're going to find yourself on the mountaintop sometimes. You're going to find yourself in the valley. You're going to find yourself tonight, dear God, winning battles. You're going to find sometimes you're losing battles. And all that tonight, we just got to know that in the valley, we can praise him and give God glory. Tonight, you need to build up your valley gate. Don't be mad because things ain't going your way. Don't be angry tonight because things just are not where you want them to be. Allow God to do something in the valley. Amen. And so we, we preached on that valley gate in that manner. Then tonight, we want to come to the dung gate. I want you to notice tonight, if you had a map, and we don't have a map tonight, but in a map you'll find that the sheep gate's right on the top, and then the very bottom directly from that tonight we find the dung gate. And so we find up here on the hill is the sheep gate. All sheep and lambs that go for sacrifice go to the temple to be sacrificed, would go through that shepherd, that sheep gate. But down on the bottom is the dung gate. Now the reason why is because down on the bottom is a valley. In the valley of Hinnon, we talked about that last time, and we find tonight that in that valley there was that dung gate. And so we want to know in the position of the dung gate, it's not on the top, it's on the bottom. But I believe tonight that the dung gate is one of the most important gates in all the city of Jerusalem. Amen. The dung gate. Amen. And so I want to kind of keep that in our mind of being the most important, the most needed tonight. I want you to notice, number one, uh, the, the exaltation of God in the dung gate. Uh, I want you to notice the entrance into the city of Jerusalem was through the dung gate. Matter of fact, today, if you're going to go into the city of Jerusalem, you're going to drive right through the dung gate in order to get there. We find during these days here, you'll find the entrance into that city of the city of Jerusalem was through the dung gate. And so we find an exaltation here because the Jerusalem tonight is considered to be the holy city. Amen. And so now we have a dung gate that you get into the holy city. That's kind of weird, isn't it? The dung gate going to the holy city. 
That's kind of like having a holy Bible with a bunch of holy thing, unholy things in it, amen? But we find tonight in this city, it's a holy city. Look in Nehemiah chapter 11 with me and look in verse 1. It kind of tells us that in the scripture. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people were cast lots to bring one of the ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city. The holy city. So what is the holy city? It's Jerusalem tonight. Is Jerusalem still the holy city? You're absolutely right. Amen. Will Jerusalem always be the holy city? Exactly right. It'll never change. It is the city that's holy. Amen. Now we know that there's some things in Jerusalem that's not holy. But tonight the city is called an holy city. In Psalms 52 in verse 1 it says this. Awake, awake. Put on the strength, O Zion. Put on the beautiful garments. Listen to this. O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall be no uh, more come into thee and uncircumcised and unclean. And so Psalms 52.1 again confirms that Jerusalem is a holy city. We find secondly, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5. You remember the devil taking up Jesus unto the temple. He says this to Jesus. And then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And so even the devil called the Jerusalem an holy city. God calls the Jerusalem a holy city. And so because of a holy city, you would think tonight you would need a dung gate in a holy city. Right, amen. You kind of get in the picture of what a dung gate might even mean tonight. The exaltation of God is that he built a dung gate by the city. Because the city... Tonight is holy, an holy city. The word holy tonight means to be separate from. It means to be distinct in. It means tonight to be special. It also means tonight not ordinary like the rest. And so tonight if you're going to be holy, you're going to be unlike the rest and special, distinct, and separate from the world. And tonight, can I say that the city tonight is not a holy city because the people are, ho are holy, but the holy city is because God is holy. Amen. Amen. That's why it's called a holy city tonight. If it was holy because of the people tonight, uh, it would be an unholy city. But because the city tonight is holy, because the Bible calls it holy, because God said it's holy, that tonight that's why it's holy. Uh, it's set aside tonight for His purposes. Jerusalem tonight is set aside for God's purpose. That's why it's holy. Number two, Jerusalem is set aside uh, as a holy place tonight. Not only holy purposes, but holy place. Number three, Jerusalem is set aside for a holy practice. And so God, when he says to the Jerusalem, thou art a holy city, he's saying, I got some holy purposes for you. You're a holy place and some holy practices will take place in Jerusalem. We cannot lose sight tonight of Jerusalem. 
We cannot at all tonight ignore what's taking place in Jerusalem tonight. We can't live our lives in Stafford, Sugarland, Rosenberg, Richmond, Houston, and all the other surrounding places and forget about Jerusalem tonight. Keep your eye upon Jerusalem. Amen? The Bible even says, pray for Jerusalem. We see tonight in the thought of it being holy and being holy because God said it was holy that he's going to have some purposes and he's going to have some places and practices. Now if you would tonight turn to Exodus chapter 15 with me and so that we can see more of this holy city because it's important to know that we've got to have a dung gate in the holy city. Here in chapter 15 and verse 17 tonight of Exodus we see as the Bible clearly states and clearly and plainly gives tonight in Exodus chapter 15 and there in verse 15. No, I'm sorry. Exodus 15 verse 17. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them into the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary O Lord, which thy hands have established. And so what is about Jerusalem? God said, in Jerusalem, I am going to make that place so I dwell in Jerusalem. The dwelling of God in Jerusalem. That's why it's a holy place. Because God said, I'll dwell there. Number two, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 6, I'll read that to you here this morning or this evening. The Bible says, I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there. I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. And so if I now, not only did God say in Jerusalem where I dwell in, but then he said, I will place my name on Jerusalem. He didn't say he'll place his name on America or Canada or Russia or China. He said, I'll place my name in Jerusalem. Amen. I'm talking about the holy city tonight and that his name is there. He said, I'll dwell there. Then look at Ezra with me tonight right next to Nehemiah uh, and look in chapter 1, verse 1 with me. Nehemiah tonight right next to Nehemiah, which is Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. And look there in verse 1 with me concerning the thought. The Bible says, Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that thy word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia. That was a heathen, that was a heathen king. And though that he might make a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put also in writing saying, Thus saith Cyrus the king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem which is Judah. Who there is there among you of all his people, his God will be with him. Let him go unto Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the man of his place him uh, help 
him with silver and with gold, with goods, with beasts, beside the freewill offering of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. That is remarkable. Think about it, church. Here we have a heathen king. A king that hates God, a king that hates his people, a king that has no love at all for God in any way. But God has placed in his heart and stirred his heart and charged him. Amen? That's what it says. God charged him. And what did God charge him to do? God said, I want you to build a house in Jerusalem. Because that's where I'm going to put my name and that's where I'm going to dwell in. And I not only want you to do that, but I want you to give unto the house of God gold and silver and things and oxen and horses and everything that's going to be required for that the house of God shall be built. Where? In Jerusalem. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. That our God tonight has made decision where his house is going to be and where his name is going to be placed and where he's going to dwell at. It's called Jerusalem. Amen. Jerusalem. We find tonight God chose and, and he, made it, he made it holy tonight. He made it holy because it's a holy purpose. There's a holy place. There's holy practices. If we thank for just a moment tonight as we Think about the scripture here and looking at Jesus there in Luke. Don't turn there because of time tonight. But in Luke chapter 2 verse 41 through 51, we find that Jesus goes to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem with his parents at the age of 12. It's the time of the Passover. Everyone of a Jewish home goes to Jerusalem on the Passover. Everybody. Jesus himself. So we see that Jesus went to Jerusalem on Passover. We find in Luke chapter, chapter 19, verse 41 through 44, that as Jesus comes unto Jerusalem, he's standing on the outside of Jerusalem, and he looks upon Jerusalem, if you remember this, and the Bible says he begins to weep for Jerusalem. He ain't weeping for any other city in all the world, but Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God, is looking upon Jerusalem and tears are flowing down his eyes. And friend, his heart is broken over the children of Israel, over Jerusalem. We find tonight Jesus tonight. He goes to Jerusalem bound in chains, led by Caiaphas tonight, by the priest and the high priest tonight by the Romans and soldiers. And he goes where? He goes to Jerusalem. And he dies on a cross. He was buried in Jerusalem. And he arose again in Jerusalem. And he went to ascended to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Amen. Some holy purposes and holy place and holy practices. We find that in Acts chapter 1, and verse 4 tonight, that Jesus sends his followers to Jerusalem. 120 of them. He said, I've got a comforter, and he's going to come, and when I send it, I'll send it in Jerusalem. And then in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, and verse 4, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost of God comes down from heaven as a promise it was of the Father. In what city did the Holy Ghost of God come? What city did God empower the church? What city did finally the, the comforter, the one that aids and the one that comes and supplies tonight, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, what city did he come in? Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem. What we find tonight is the Holy Ghost of God that began in the filling the church and empowering the church. It all began in Jerusalem. We find in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11 where Jesus ascended up to heaven, Jerusalem. We find tonight in Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 as there was the Pentecost. I say to you, Jesus returns to Jerusalem when he returns. <laughs> when he comes on a white horse, amen. And he comes for the battle of Armageddon in the day that he ends the tribulation period and he begins the, the millennial reign, amen. Where does he come? He comes to Jerusalem. Amen. I want to ask you a question tonight. I wonder if Jerusalem is kind of special for God. Amen. I would think he has a little, little closeness to Jerusalem. Yes, Can I say tonight, Jerusalem's a holy city. It's set apart for God. It's special. There's nothing like it. You wonder why tonight, as, as Israel tonight in 2024 is, is fighting seven different fronts. You know what they want? Jerusalem. You know tonight all the enemies of Israel tonight, you know what they are wanting to do? You know what they're wanting to do for Israel? It's like this tonight. If Israel lay down their arms tonight, Israel will be annihilated. Amen? They'll be pushed into the Mediterranean Sea. You'll never see it all a Jew again. And if he pushed out into the sea, Jerusalem will be toppled over and the Gentiles will be upon it. Amen. That's what happens if Israel lays down their arms. But if everybody else lays down their arms, amen, there may be peace. But if Israel does, there'll be no Israel. Jerusalem tonight. I don't know what side you're on, but you ought to be on God's side. And guess who's God's side on? Jerusalem. <laughs> I remember going to, to Israel in 1999. You know, when you, when you go to Israel, you come out of Tel Aviv. That's where the airport is. In order to get to Jerusalem, you got to go up. Did you know that? Anywhere and everywhere in all the world tonight to go to Jerusalem, you got to go up. It's the highest point. The highest point. So when you start Tel Aviv, you start Jericho, you start down at the Sea of Galilee, you start uh, Bethesda, you, you start anywhere and everywhere. Uh, here's, here it is on a mountain on top, Mount Zion. That's why it's called Mount Zion, Mount Moriah. That's why it's there. So I, can, I remember on the bus and, and we're driving, we got to go up. And it's going like this all the way up to Jerusalem. There was that song on about Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Man, it just gave you cold chills. Man, you find when you get finally up to Jerusalem, boy, you got to the place, you got to the pinnacle, you got, you got to where, man, it was the place. And you walk, into, you walk into Israel, you'll find that there was just a presence there that you knew that Jesus walked where you walked. Well, you went down there to, to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and well, you say, well, Jesus was here. Hey, I was went over there to the tomb. I preached the message right next to the, you know, they rolled back the stone, and, and there was the opening and the little door right there. And I put my head into the stoop to the tomb where Jesus was laid. I looked over there, and there was that stone. And I'm thinking, Jesus laid right there. 
there's something special about this Jerusalem. It's the holy city. I could go all night tonight talking about Jerusalem and what happened there. But can I say number two? Not is it a holy city, but it's God's city. Turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 48 with me tonight. It seemed like my preaching tonight or today has been more of an introduction than it is the preaching. But I feel like tonight we need to get these details to appreciate tonight this dung gate. We notice that God's city is not only holy, but we see that it's God's city. In Psalms 48, which is a very popular psalm, let me read it to you here in verses 1 through 2. It says, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. There's coming a day, Ezekiel 38 and 39 has prophesied that uh, Israel, I mean, uh, what the uh, Russians and all of those Eastern European countries are going to come together. And as they come up toward the march, toward Israel, that they're going to come through the Israel. And when they get to Israel, they're going to be there with many and multitudes of armies. And they're going to build up. And they're going to have so many and so much going on that they're going to come to Israel. When they get to Israel, uh, they're going to want to destroy Israel. And the Bible says that when all the armies get there, that God from heaven is going to send a fire. And they're going to consume them all. Where is that going to happen? Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of God. There's going to be such a battle, friend, at the end of the tribulation period in Jerusalem that the Bible says that there's going to, they're going to take uh, seven years to bury all the dead and to burn all the weaponry because God then took out them. Jerusalem. The city of God. Know that tonight. The city of God. Who do you think you are? Hezbollah. Who do you think you are? Hamas. Who do you think you are? Houthis. If I was part of their group, I'd change my names. They were dumb names. Who do you think you are playing games with God's city? You'll never win. You'll never get through. They've never lost a battle. God's people's never lost a battle. Amen. They've always won. And friend, when all is said and done in this holy Bible tonight, we find that Israel's still standing. Oh, God, help us tonight to know that this holy city is God's city tonight. Look at Psalms 132. It belongs to Him tonight. Psalms 132. It's not only God's city, but it is only a city. Look at this here, Psalms 132. And look in verse 13 and 14 with me. Tonight, he says, For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his own habitation. For his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. He has chosen the city. He's desired the city. He has inhabited the city. He indwells in the city. Can I say tonight that the city of Jerusalem is God's city. Amen. Holy city. 
We find Jerusalem is a holy city. Jerusalem is owned city. And Jerusalem is inhabited city. And that's God. Now because of that, it makes that city beautiful. Amen, doesn't it? Not only does it make it beautiful, but it makes it joyful and it makes it useful. Amen. Where God indwells is beauty. Where God lies, you'll find joy. When God is present tonight, you'll find usefulness. Amen. And friend, I just tell you tonight, in the city of Jerusalem, it's God's holy city. It's God's city. There's no other city like it tonight. He's in that place, indwelt it, and that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it joyful, and it's what makes it useful. Amen. Jerusalem. Right. Amen. I'm talking about the exaltation of God in the Dungate. You see, brother, all I heard tonight was just a history of Jerusalem. But back in Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. There is a Dungate being repaired. Why? Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3 says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the provinces of great affliction and reproach in the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned up, burned with fire. Let me ask you a question tonight. If all that I told you is true about God's city and about the holy city, about being beautiful and joyful and useful tonight, do you see that city like that now in Nehemiah? No. Man, it's burned up. It's beaten down. It's ugly. I mean, Fred, it is horrible. That's why Nehemiah's heart is broken. That's why Fred tonight, he goes to the king and begs to the king, King, I got to go and I got to go and, and take care of this my people, the temple, the city of God, I, I got to go. And he said, you go and I'll give you everything you need to go. To do what? To rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates. Because friend, the city of God should not look like this. That's right. That's right. God's city should be beautiful, joyful, and useful. But we find tonight not only the, the exaltation of God, but I want you to notice the expectation of God. The expectation of God. We take the dung gate tonight. And the expectation of God is that everyone in Israel to remove the filth of the city through the dung gate. So if you've got any filth in your, in, your, in your home, you've got any filth in your yard, you've got any filth in the backyard or whatever, what the people would do in Jerusalem, they would take all filth and they would take it to the dung gate. They didn't have a guy driving a little truck no. with two little men hanging on the back. No. And they push a button, he goes, Nyeh. I'm talking about a trash truck. Right. They don't have no, no truck like that during, during Nehemiah's day. All their filth, they would take it and they would carry it. They'd walk down the streets and they would go through that dung gate and they would throw it down there in the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom was always burning. Always a fire down there, and they throw that filth down there. And aren't you thankful tonight for the dung gate? Amen. Can you imagine if you have to live with the with the, the filth of life? Mm. I mean, you, I mean, it don't make sense, right? I mean, we got to have a dung gate. I mean, it, Jerusalem had to have a dung gate to get their filth out of the city, right. because it's a city of God. It's a holy city. 
The filth's got to go. I'll tell you what else went out that dung gate. We find that remove all the trash of the city went through the dung gate. If you had trash, it went through the dung gate. You don't set your trash out in the front yard by the mailbox. Uh, you don't set your trash out in the yard. Uh, you don't go throw it in the back corner of the yard, amen. You don't dig a hole and put your trash in it. You take your trash and you take it out the dung gate. Amen. Thank God for the dung gate. How would you like to live with trash? How do you like to live in trash? So we find filth, trash. What else is taken out the dung gate? Well, we find sewage. It's taken out of the dung gate. Hallelujah for that. I mean, they, don't have, they didn't have the privilege of going to the bathroom, shutting the door, lock the door, and uh, taking care of what you need to take care of and hit a little lever and go, ching, flush the commode. Right? That's kind of graphic, I know, but you do, you do sewage there, you're carrying it down to the dung gate. So you got your family sewage. <laughs> you got your family filth, you got your family trash, and you're headed to the dung gate. Amen for the dung gate. Hallelujah. I'll tell you something else. You remove the flesh. You're like the dog that got ran over. The deer, they got hit. The old oxen that just died from a heart attack. The criminals that died at the bottom of the base when Jesus was there on the cross of Calvary. It's called, it's called uh, Golgotha, the skull. And it was on top of, there's a little mountain that went up right there. The down, it kind of went down here like this. And we find that down on the bottom were just hundreds of crosses. And they would take criminals and hang them on the cross and they would not do anything with them. Amen. They would die on the cross. Uh, the animals or the birds would come and eat them off the cross. They'd find that they would die there. And when they died there, couldn't, and they kind of just fell off the cross because they didn't have an arm or didn't have anything else. Uh, they were skulls. They would take all of that and take it down to the dung gate, whether it's a dog, a deer, or a person. Throw it down in the dung gate, down in the valley of Hinnom. That's how it was those days. So flesh was taken to the dung gate. We find in the dung gate that the rubbish that was in the city of God, the Jerusalem, was taken through the dung gate. So you'll find tonight anything that defiles, anything that corrupts, and anything that stinks goes through the dung gate. Does that make sense tonight? Dung gate. And why all that is, why is all that necessary? It's God's city. It's a holy city. You gotta keep it clean. You gotta keep it beautiful. You gotta keep it joyful. You gotta keep it useful. You gotta keep the holy city clean and pure and spotless. This waste, whether it's filth or trash or sewage or flesh or rubbish tonight, this waste was all taken to the valley of Hinnon and burned. The valley burned always tonight. And can I say this? When you took your trash, you took your animals or you took your flesh or you took your rubbish or you took your trash or you took your sewage tonight. I know this, makes, this is going to make a lot of sense tonight and it's pretty easy to understand, but I need to say it. When you take all of that because you want your city to be beautiful, you want your city to be joyful, and you want your city to be useful tonight, and you take all of that and you walk through that dung gate and you throw all of that into the valley of Hinnon that burned, you cannot, you cannot return any of it. Does that make sense? 
It's not like you put your trash and you put it at the end of the street and in the morning you're, oh man, I done threw some papers and I got to go back and get it. So you go through your trash, you're digging through your trash trying to find that paper that you put in there that you're not supposed to put in there and you pull it out. You ever done that before? Anybody? Not me, man. I tell you what, it's trash, it's trash. I don't believe that. All of us have thrown some things away and sometimes it's not there. We weep and cry and moan and groan. We blame everybody. The dung gate. Tonight, the dung gate was an importance to the city. I believe tonight it was the most important to the city. The dung gate was most important to the city because, you see, it gave the city beauty. As all of that stuff was taken out to the dung gate, it beautified the city. Is that true? So if all that stayed there, it would be ugly, but because they took it out, it became beautiful. But then also, the dung gate being important, it brought joy. I don't know about you, but I don't like living in a dirty house, do you? I mean, do you like wearing dirty clothes? How I many do you like just scooting around Coke bottles and McDonald packages and over here you got uh, uh, Chick-fil-A, you know, wrappers and, and you say, somebody clean up this mess. This is not joyful. Right. Well, thank God for the dung gate, man, that we can make it joyful again. Right. And we can make it beautiful again. But then useful tonight. I, I, tonight, if your house is filthy or trash and sewer and all that kind of stuff's in there, tonight your house ain't useful. No. You can't even have nobody come see you. If you do, you meet them out in the front yard. Yeah. Say, what are we meeting out in the front yard for? Oh, it's just a beautiful place. <laughs> Look what God's done. <laughs> Why would I want you in my house and see what man's done? I'm out here looking at what God's done. Right? right. And so you don't bring him in because, oh my, there's no use in there. Oh, I'm saying tonight this city, it was this, this uh, gate of the dung gate was needed, don't you think? It was necessary, don't you think? Sure. It was of necessity tonight, Amen. the dung gate. Right. Are you kind of seeing where the dung gate's at now? Yeah. It's the city of God. It's holy, but we need, a, we need a dung gate. Now think of it right now, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, I already read it. It's in rubbish. It's all over the place. The gates are burned up. The walls are broken down. It's a total disaster. Somebody needs to rebuild the dung gate there, don't you think? To get all that out and start this thing, bring beauty back to the city of God. I tell you, look in chapter 2 in verse 13. The Bible says, I rose and in the night I had some few men with me and neither I told any man what my God hath put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. I went out by night by the gate of the valley even uh, before the dragon well into the dung port. He's going out by the port here, the dung. And the gates thereof were consumed with fire. That needs to be cleaned up. Verse 14, Then I went to the gate of the fountain in the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. There was no way that the beast that he was riding on, whether it was a donkey, a horse, or whatever it is, it could not pass, it could not maneuver because all of the junk, the rock, the rubble, trash, it was in the way. The city was not beautiful, nor joyful, nor useful. We find tonight, man, we need a dung gate. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. 
Then said I unto, unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we no more be a reproach. Man, let's clean this place up. Let's get all the dung gate. But the dung gates needs to be repaired. You can't go through a dung gate unless it gets repaired. So we find tonight the city is in waste. The city is in ruin. The city is in shame. And when the city is not purged tonight with the dung, the city suffers. I think about dung tonight and I don't want to get crude and I don't want to get rude and I don't want to be ugly and I don't want to be dirty and I don't want to be uh, tonight gross neither. But when I say the dung gate, it has to come to your mind about dung. Anyway, I mean, it's something to smile about, but it's something to know. We all know what dung is. You've got dove dung. You've got deer dung. You've got cow dung. You got human dung, you got dung, right? I mean, that's just what we've got. But let me say this tonight. In order for you, as an individual tonight, to find beauty in life, you're going to have to purge yourself of dung. Am I right? I'm going to tell you a story tonight. One of our members, he's no longer living with us. Dear brother, before I first started, I came to, I came to, it was Westside Baptist Church. We was meeting down in that little house down there. He was an older fella. He was having some trouble. He called me. He said, Brother Larry, I need you to come and help me. I said, Brother, I'll help you in anything you want to do. Now be careful when you talk like that. So I, I go down there and he's, I open the door and where you at, brother? I'm back here. Back here, I need you to help me. I'm hurting. Got tears rolling down his eyes. He said, I've got an enema, and I need you to put it in. <laughs> I did not sign up for that. I searched the scriptures. See if that was part of my job description. I said unto him, bro, I really do love you. But I tell you what I'll do for you. I'll pick you up and I'll carry you on down to my truck. And I'll take you on down to the emergency room. I said, they are experts in putting that kind of stuff in. He said, I don't know, bro. I'm really hurting. I'm really hurting. He was. He was in much pain. I feel so sorry for him. He's crying. He can't hardly get up. He can't hardly walk. I put his clothes on him. I basically carried him down to my truck and basically picked him up. I said, dear God, I'd do whatever I got to do instead of doing that enema thing. I got him in my truck. You laughing, Sister Diana? You didn't know pastors do stuff like that, did you? I got him in my truck, and I'm going down my truck, and you know what I'm thinking, don't you? Not in my truck. I was in a hard situation, though. Because if he, in my truck, would have gave him relief, right? He wouldn't have no pain. He wouldn't have no, all that kind of stuff. But it would put a lot of work on my side. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in a, I'm in a pickle. Brother Cat, what do you do? 
Oh, God, hope, hope. God, bring them release. I don't know what to do. I'm driving as fast as I can, man. I'm getting down to the hospital. I finally get to the hospital. I get, I get out of the hospital. I mean, I get to the hospital. I run out of my truck. That's when I was in shape. And I was running. And I got me a wheelchair. I run over there. I got him out of my truck. And so far, so good. Got him in the chair. I put him in the chair. And I rolled him up there to the, to the place. And back then, it wasn't like it is now where there's got 6,000 people in it. And uh, so anyway, we walked up. They said, what's wrong? He said, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. Please help me, please help me. And uh, they said, oh, sir, we need to get you right away. And so they rolled him right back to a room, and they put him in a room. They put him up on that bed, and they began to work on him. They began to work on him. And they worked on him, and next thing you know, they was giving him all kind of stuff. Now, I'm outside. like I, I, I'm, out, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not... I'm not in there doing what, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here. There's a wall. There's all kind of stuff in our way. And I'm hearing him, and I feel so sorry for him. I'm praying, God, oh, help him. Help him to the dung. Next thing I know, they come rushing out. And next thing I know, what came after rushing out was the stench. Next thing I know, they're rolling him down. And he's going at the end of the hall. They put him in the end of the hall. And he goes, and he goes, and he goes, and he goes. Next thing you know, Fred, nobody's going where he's going. There was no beauty. There was no joy. And there was absolutely no use. But, friend, when he got there and he got help to, to him, it was beautiful. Yeah. Right? Y'all been there before? <laughs> Went with him. Now, was it beautiful? But, friend, it was joyful. I heard him at the end of the hall. Hey, bud! <laughs> Glory to God! <laughs> Everybody's done out of the room, completely out of the hospital, completely out of the wing. <laughs> oh, man, I'll never forget that. Sorry, brother. I just, <laughs> if he's listening... The point I'm trying to make today is if you don't get rid of that dung, amen, in your bodies, you're going to find great pain and suffering. I'm trying to make a point tonight, physically, for our spiritual. There's not only going to be pain and suffering, but there's going to be unhealthiness. Amen? I'm just trying to be honest with you. Unhealthiness. We find thirdly tonight, unfunctionability. You cannot function tonight whenever you are in that condition. All I'm saying is tonight, we need a dung gate. Because if we don't tonight, our lives will be unusable. It will be unjoyful and be unbeautiful. Right? That's what that does tonight if you don't purge it out. The city has the same thought tonight. They had to get the city relieved of this dung. Tonight, we say tonight, even more to God that we need a dung gate. Amen for our lives. Let me say this tonight. Number two, or number three, 
I want you to notice the exhortation of God. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Brother Keith read this this morning. In verse 1, he said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now tonight, I don't have to tell you tonight that I want you to notice what this looks like spiritually. If you'd go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, the Bible says you're the temple of God. It says that right there. He said, uh, for ye are the temple of the living God. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 16, uh, the Bible says that know ye not that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God himself destroy, for the temple of God is holy, and you are holy. We find tonight that you are the temple of God, and you are holy. If you are, saved tonight. You are God's home. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. The last portion of it. And I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now does that sound familiar to you tonight with Jerusalem and God? It works the same way with the church tonight. Tonight God says you're the temple of God. And I will indwell in you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters, and I shall be your God. So what do I need to do? I need to cleanse myself of spiritual filth of, and also fleshly filth in order for the perfecting of holiness and the fear of God. Amen. Tonight I find, according spiritually tonight, Ephesians 2.22 says, In whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Understand that God lives in us. And He's holy. And anything and everything that's unholy got to come out. We got to build a dung gate. We got to build a dung gate. Or we're going to find pain and suffering. Or we're going to find tonight difficulty of life. We're going to be unhealthy spiritually. And we're going to be unfunctionable spiritually as well if we don't get this cleansing in our lives. We find tonight, not only are you the temple of God, but you're the city of God. Did you know that? Look in Revelation with me tonight. Revelation 21. And we learned some stuff today. Revelation 21. Look in verse 2. The Bible says, And I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Isn't that a little strange? Well, who in the world's her husband? Look at chapter 19 and verse 7. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she would be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Who is the very wife of God? The church is tonight. 
And friend, we're talking about getting married to God, getting married to Christ. He's the groom, we're the bride. And friend, we'll find that according to the scriptures here that that holy city has come down and it said this, a bride that's adorned for her husband. Man, listen, we're the city of God. We're the temple of God. Tonight, we're the people of God. So what does God say that we need to do? And Well, he says in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians tonight, because we are the temple of God and we are the city of God, we find tonight that there are holy purposes that he wants to do with us and holy places for us tonight and holy practices. And what do we got to do? We got to build a dung gate. In building a dung gate tonight, he says, let us cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. And so here's how it works. We can just think tonight as I portray this in our clothes. Let's say the dung gate's right here and we got it built in our lives. We're looking right here and we're searching our hearts, searching in our lives. We're trying to find anything that's filthy. We finally find something filthy. What we need to do is claim it. You're right, Lord, I got anger in my heart. Yeah, you're right, Lord, I said a cuss word. Yeah, you're right, I lusted after that man or that woman. Yes, Lord, I, I have hatred. Yes, Lord, I disobeyed, I disobeyed you. Claim it. So what we got to do is take that, take that filthiness or the, what needs to be cleansed tonight. We'll take it. We'll run it down to the dung gate. We'll throw it down to the valley of Hinnon. So after we claim it, we got to confess it. I did it, Lord. Yeah, I'm the one. I did it. Then after we confess it, we got to cast it. Right? right. Cast it down in the valley. Right. I'm talking about a dung gate. Amen. You got to claim it. You got to confess it. You got to cast it. You got to go through that dung gate and cast it down there into the fire. Right. And then after you cast it, you'll find, Fred, uh, that your life has now been to the place where you need to come and you need to get rid of it and cleanse it tonight. And that's how you cleanse it. Claim it. Carry it. Confess it. And cast it. Amen. Cleanse tonight. So what are we going to cleanse tonight? Well, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Amen. I'd like that verse there. Friend, I tell you the truth. In order for you and I to be perfecting of the holiness of God, that accomplishing the holiness of God in the fear of God, and I'm going to tell you these two things and I close, that confess tonight the filthiness of the flesh. We've got to begin to confess that. Claim it, carry it, confess it, and cast it. Where? In the fire. The Hinnon Gate. Through the gate called dung. Number one, I want you to notice the filthiness of the flesh is the dirty mind. Tonight, you got to begin to confess the dirty mind. So it says, and I'm just telling you tonight, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Filthiness of the flesh is our mind, the dirtiness of our mind. 
It might be tonight uh, the things that we think of. It might be the, the motives in which we've got. It might be the intent tonight. It might, it's a mind thing, dirty mind. You might be telling jokes. You might, you might be saying things. You might be thinking things. You might be imagining things. You might be uh, having some other dreams or all this kind of other stuff that's going on tonight. This is a dirty mind. You've got to tonight cleanse that. I'll tell you the second thing tonight is a, not only a dirty mind but a filthy heart. Begin tonight, take that filthy heart down to the dung gate and put it into the fire and get rid of it. Get cleansed up tonight, the dirty heart. The heart that has bitterness in it, the heart that has anger in it, the heart that has disobedience in it, the heart that has rebellion in it, the heart that has stubbornness in it. Filthy heart, dirty mind, dirty lustful eyes, eyes that are looking upon other women, eyes that are looking upon other things and, and lusting for them desiring for him, being covetous tonight, not content with what you have, want more than what you got. You only make a certain amount of money, but you keep on spending. You only got so much a month, but you keep on spending. You, you, can't, you can't get under control of your spending because, friend, you're covetous and you just buy everything you want. Tonight, lustful eyes. We find a dirty heart. We find tonight... A filthy mind. We find tonight worldly ears. Come up with flesh tonight, what you hear. You're just okay to hear cussing on TV. You're okay to listen to the rock and roll in the country western and R&B. You're okay to listen to, Fred, all that dirty, rotten music of the world tonight. You're okay to do that. You're okay to listen to the joke at work and the gossip at work. And, and you're okay, Fred, to listen to all the stories that are vulgar and all the stories tonight that are undecent tonight. You're okay with that. Listen, cleanse it. We need a dung gate. Get this filth out of our lives. Not only tonight is it the ears, but I noticed the wicked tongue. Oh, those things you say, those lies you tell, oh, that deception you bring, them half lies that you give. Oh, friend, the sarcasm that you bring forth. Oh, the, the times that you say what you say to not hurt, not to help somebody, but to hurt somebody. And you say what you say tonight because you're full of vengeance and retaliation tonight. Listen, you say, I love you, but you're a liar. You don't. Some of us tonight, friend, we got people in our lives that if we, if we had any enemies, man, we wouldn't eat them. They are our enemies because of their wicked tongue. Tongue that's right straight out of hell fire. I'm talking about tonight we need to get cleansed up. Friend, we are a place where God lives. We're a place where God dwells. We're his city. We're his temple. Can I say here, listen, last, fifthly, the wicked tongue, but I want you to notice the unclean hands, things we touch. Things we handle, things tonight that we squeeze, things tonight that we put our hands on. You ought not be patting on nobody. You ought not be hugging anybody. You ought not be taking things and doing things for people that you know you're not supposed to do. Can I say tonight, unclean hands? Can I say rebellious feet? You're just not going in the right places. You're going to the wrong places. You don't know you don't belong there. You know you should never go, but you do. I'm talking tonight the filth of the flesh 
What should we do with that, brother? We should cleanse it. How are we going to do that? We've got to build our dung gate. And building our dung gate is that we're going to have to claim it. We're going to have to carry it. We're going to have to cast it. And friend, then we're going to have to find confession. We'll get that cleansed up. Let me see spirit tonight, then we'll close. What is the filthiness of the spirit tonight? Well, a bad attitude is the filthiness of the spirit. If you've got a bad attitude tonight, then you have a bad spirit. Tonight you need to get that cleaned up. You say, brother, should we never have a bad attitude? No, you should never have a bad attitude. You know bad attitude tonight's a choice? When you get up in the morning, you have a choice of being bad attitude or a good attitude. You say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. It don't matter. You're the temple of God. You're the city of God. You got, you're where God dwells. You're where God, where God has placed himself. And God's put his name in you. And God has dwelt in you, friend. Listen, uh, we have no business tonight with a bad attitude. Amen. I'm talking about cleansing the filth of your spirit. Bad attitude. Can I tell you number two? Hang with me. We're almost there. I've got five things. An evil countenance. You ever be around somebody and you say, boy, don't go over there. You say, what'd they say? They didn't say anything. You just, you just feel it. The countenance. An evil countenance, friend. That's a problem with your spirit. You need to cleanse that. You're not going to work. You're not going to home. You're not going to church tonight. And you don't say nothing to nobody. And you use this as an excuse all the time. I didn't say nothing. Well, thank God you didn't. It'd probably be worse. I didn't say anything. I, I didn't do anything. No, it's your countenance. It's evil. It's just the aura that you're pulling off. It's just what you're giving to us. It's a spirit problem. Cleanse the filthiness of the spirit. Can I say here thirdly? Not a bad attitude and an evil countenance, but I notice a wrong spirit. Wrong spirit. It's not the spirit of love and the spirit of kindness and the spirit of forgiveness and the spirit of just being sweet and kind. Loving, understanding. The spirit of forgiving. The spirit of having passion. The spirit of having that you're able to take the situation and make it better. Rather than taking it and making it worse. Just an evil spirit. Wicked spirit. What can I say here? Fifthly, unloving. So that's a spiritual problem. Unloving. You're just unloving. You don't show love to your children. You don't show love to your grandchildren. You don't show love to your spouse. You don't show love to your church member. You don't show love to your co-worker. You don't show love to your family members. You are so unloving. That needs to be cleansed tonight. We find here, fifthly, a sour spirit. You're always complaining. You're always griping. You're always saying somebody else is this and somebody else is that. Every place you go, there's always a problem. The food's never good. The people's never kind. The workers never work hard enough. The husband is never what he ought to be. The wife has always come short. The kids never meet the standard. 
The parents always get on your nerves. Your family members, they just make you angry. The world, just sour. That's a spiritual problem. Can I say here, a bitter spirit. You're just mad. You're just angry. Uh, You're just in vengeance mode all the time. You never could say, I'm sorry. You never could just take take what's wrong and say, yes, I'm wrong. You can't. It's a bitter spirit. We need cleansing. No, you're not always right. And yes, being a Christian would say, yes, I'm wrong. And tonight we got to find that we've got to get this cleansed of the flesh and of the spirit. And lastly tonight, a hateful mood. A hateful mood. That's a spiritual problem. What, what do you mean by a hateful mood, Brother Larry? I, I'm just saying that I'm not in the mood. Whoopie doo. If I'm in the mood, well then okay, it's all right. If I'm not in the mood, well then it don't go. I have to be in the mood. You want chicken to eat? Not in the mood for chicken. You want shrimp to eat? Not in the mood for shrimp. You want Mexican food? Not in the mood for that either. How about Chinese? Not in the mood for that either. How about Subway? Ham and cheese? Not in the mood for that either. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I want you to get in a better mood. How about that? I don't give a rip if I eat sardines with rotten crackers. I'd rather do that than being with you in this mood that you're in. Is that right? God help us tonight. We need to build our dung gate. And we need to start looking into our lives and hearts and see what we have of the flesh that's filthy and what's in the spirit that's filthy. And let's get it cleansed. Let's get to that, that dung gate tonight. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wish I could finish, but I didn't. But I, someday I might. Whatever the Lord may lead. Preparing our dung gate in the fear of God. Get ridding our dung of the flesh and of the spirit. How about you tonight? How about you? The altars are open. It's probably time tonight that we get to our dung gate and we get some things cleaned and cleared out. Let's do that tonight. You say, Brother Larry, do you think all, all the whole church are to come? Boy, I tell you, the whole church. There ain't one of us tonight that don't have some dung in our lives that we don't need to get cleansed out. Ain't a one of us tonight, not one. Every one of us tonight are guilty. I don't know what you got with God, but I'm telling you tonight, it's time to get these things cast out and confessed up, carried on through the gun gate. And we find tonight it will help our home, it will help our church, it will help our walk with God. You sing, Brother George. Oh, many have come tonight. Would you come? Would you come tonight? You say, boy, I, I just need to get some things out of my life. Spiritually speaking, fleshly speaking, I need some cleansing tonight.
Oh, cleanse me, Lord. Oh, cleanse me. How about you tonight? How about you? Don't you want? Don't you want tonight to know that you're the city of God and the temple of God tonight and He lives and dwells in you? You can't be beautiful like that. You can't be joyful nor useful with that inside of you. You got to get this filth out. You got to get this filth out tonight. You got to do it tonight. Tonight. It'll make a beautiful marriage. It'll make a joyful home. It'll make a useful life. God, bring to my heart everything of filth in me. Cleanse me up tonight, Lord. Speak to me. Show me. God, reveal to me. I want to be cleansed tonight. I want it all to go out. Cleanse the spirit, the filth of my spirit and the filth of my flesh tonight. Oh, I want to accomplish tonight the perfecting of the fear of God. Anybody else tonight? Come. Come. Say, I just need to be saved tonight. I just need Jesus in my life tonight. I need forgiveness of his blood. Come on. You tonight that are kind of just on the outskirts. Oh, you come to church, but you're not really in. You're not really part. You're kind of barely coming in right now. You're barely, you're barely doing what you're doing tonight. You're not really devoted. You're not really committed. You're not really reliable, and you're not really accountable. You're kind of hiding in and out. Let's get that right tonight. Let's get in tonight. Let's do it. Everybody, anybody tonight. Oh, let's talk with God. God, I pray. God, you help me tonight. Yes, Lord. God, cleanse us. We need the city of God. We need the temple of God to be beautiful, joyful, and useful. It can't, with filth in it, get it out. Get it out. Get it out, Lord. Please, get it out. Cleanse me up. Clear me up, Lord. Oh, God, I beg you. I ask you tonight to search my heart. Find any wicked way within me. Know my heart, dear God. Know my thoughts. Try me, Lord. Find anything. God, speak to my heart. Speak to my soul. God, I don't want to have filthiness in my spirit, no filthiness in my flesh. I'm going to pray tonight and we'll be close. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus tonight. And you set a conviction upon my heart tonight. God, things that only you and I know. And only things tonight, dear God, that's in my heart that nobody knows. But I want them out. But I ask you tonight, God, that you just remove it. You said if I confess my sin that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I believe that tonight. And God, I ask you to remove the filth of my flesh and the filth of my spirit. God, that I might accomplish the perfecting in the fear of God. Lord, I want to walk out of here right with you tonight. I want to be clean with all men and, and with our God. God, I want to be able to go home tonight, dear God, and, and speak to my wife and my family tonight, dear God, with a clean heart.
I want to be able to get up in the morning and go to work, dear God, and knowing my heart's clean. I want to be able to read my Bible tonight and pray as I go to bed, God, knowing that I'm right with you. Oh, God, help us tonight, Lord, to take the seriousness and the soberness of the cleansingness that we need in our spirit and our flesh. God, the filthiness that we carry on with, trash. I pray, Father, that you'd help us. I pray, God, that you, as we go home, we'll think about the message in this dung gate, and God, may it be a help to us this week. I pray you'll lead and guide us, dear God, keep us safe. I pray, Father, that we'll be an example tomorrow to others. We'll tell others about the message that we had today. God, that may somebody might get saved. Father, bring us back again on Wednesday night, Lord, to hear more of God's Word. God, open our eyes and hearts that, God, we may just be thrilled with you. God, our hearts may be overwhelming because of your love and because of your care. I pray, Father, now that you'd go with us as we travel. God, be with every home and every family. God, I pray tonight, dear God, that you'd do a mighty work that only you can do. And, God, we give you praise for it. Thank you for all those tonight, dear God, that chose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Jesus, Lord, of my soul.